When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at Alumni Hall. I know a bunch of you got a chance to stop in at Alumni Hall on your way either in or out of town following G-Day. I heard from quite a few people on social media, saw some of the awesome purchases that you guys made. But if you weren't able to make it into town for G-Day, no worries. You can still go to alumnihall.com right now, later, tomorrow, next week, whenever you feel the need to pick up some new George gear. Because I'm telling you guys, Alumni Hall, they've got you covered. Anything you want, whatever style you want, whatever brand you want, Alumni Hall has it all. The best selection anywhere on planet Earth. So make sure to stop in today if you're in town here in the Athens area, inside the Epsom Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com. Because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. But alright guys, let's go ahead and move right into the show today. I, of course, am your host Tyler. And joining me today to give you all of our overreactions to Georgia's 2023 spring game is my longtime co-host Curtis. And look guys, when I say overreactions, I mean it. Overreactions. Overreactions are the rule when it comes to spring games. I don't begrudge anybody their overreaction following a spring game. That's just kind of what we do, right? No fan base in the country is immune to it because the reality is the spring game is the only time we get to set eyes on our team and our players prior to the kickoff of week one, which for us is in early September. So what do people do when they watch a spring game? They take everything they see and they run with it. And I include us in that as well. Again, we are not immune from that ourselves. It, it really is. It's one of those deals that's entirely unique to college football. It's one of the things, one of the many things that makes college football the greatest thing in the history of the world. I mean, what? Your quarterback completed 75% of his passes with a couple of TDs? Heisman. Your defense held your offense to one touchdown? Best defense in America. Your rival put up 17 points total in their spring game? Their head coach won't survive another season, right? You guys know how it goes. And I say all of that just as a disclaimer that, yes, Curtis and I are probably, almost certainly, going to overreact some to what we saw yesterday inside Sanford Stadium. And yes, yes, admittedly, it was just one small snapshot of the totality of spring practice. I mean, we got 15 spring practices. In reality, that was just one of them, just was the one that we got to see. So, of course, we put more of an emphasis on that. But just because it was only one small snapshot of spring practice, that does not mean that there are not insights that we can glean about this year's team coming out of G-Day. And that's what we're here to do today, guys. We're going to try to do exactly that on the show, try to give you what little insights we were able to maybe potentially possibly glean from the G-Day proceedings inside Sanford Stadium here in the Classic City yesterday afternoon. So, Kurt, let's get right to it, my man. 
you know, different people, Curtis, going to G-Day looking for different things, looking for different players. But I, I do think it's safe to say that the one thing that was universally at the top of everyone's list coming into G-Day in terms of what they were looking for, what they wanted to see, what they were most excited to watch, of course, given the importance of the position, was the quarterback battle. We know this. You know, from day one this spring, we knew going back to Kirby Smart's opening spring press conference, he said it straight up in that press conference, that both Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift were going to receive reps with the number one offense. We knew within like, you know, two weeks or so into spring practice that it was pretty much a two-horse race. And so entering G-Day, you know, Gunnar Stockton's a good player. He's a talented player, but he was repping with the twos and mainly the threes all spring long. That never really changed. So taking that for what it's worth, you, you kind of see that it was a two-horse race between Beck and Vandegrift heading in to G-Day. And we also knew coming into G-Day that both Beck and Vandegrift had done some good things. It had some moments that weren't so great. It had kind of just been up and down throughout the spring. So now, Curtis, that we got to see them live, what was your big takeaway from what you saw from the quarterbacks yesterday? I think more than anything, you have to think going into summer and fall camp that right now, it's going to be Carson Beck really does have more than just a slight advantage, maybe that some people may have thought, but either way, he has has a pretty significant advantage, in my opinion. And the reason I say that is I think the, you know, takeaway or the biggest thing to me is just how comfortable he is in the system. He seems to be reading the field a lot better than Brock. Um, yeah, his touch passes and his throws looked really good. But to me, what was most important was how he was seeing the field and going through his reads, because I never really actually feel like he was hitting his first read in every throw, but he was doing a great job of scanning the field quickly and still finding the guy. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm, Curtis. I mean, it's as simple as this. Carson Beck is the guy. Carson Beck is your quarterback. It's that simple. I'm not saying that the other quarterbacks didn't do good things. They absolutely did. We're in very good hands at the quarterback position. I think we have a couple of guys that can do good things for us. But it's not just what I saw yesterday, Curtis. I feel like yesterday at G-Day, it was kind of just the cherry on top. It, It more or less just confirmed everything that I had felt coming into the spring. I mean, just all you do is kind of look at the, the tea leaves, Curtis. I mean, Carson Beck was the top backup to, to Stetson Bennett last year. He was the only one of the, of the contenders for the job this year that really got any sort of playing time. And it, his playing time wasn't meaningful. I mean, he was getting garbage time reps. We, we know this, but at least he was getting those reps. The other guys were not. He's the only one with any sort of experience to speak of whatsoever. And, of course, you can go back two years ago to 2021. Remember, Curtis, Kirby was saying, coming out of fall camp, that Carson Beck was our backup then. Now, we know when push came to shove and JT got hurt, we went with Stetson Bennett over Carson Beck. I still can't understand quite what Kirby was doing there and, and saying Carson's number two and then having Stetson leapfrog him, just say Stetson's number two. I don't know. That was weird. But this is a guy that the coaches have been very high on for a long time, Curtis. There's a reason that Carson Beck has not transferred after waiting his turn for three years. This, this is his fourth year at Georgia in our system. This is a guy that has been here longer than the other quarterbacks. He has mastered our system at a, at a greater level than those guys, as evidenced by the fact that he was our backup last year and was at least somewhat kind of sort of weirdly named the backup in 2021. The coaches trust him. This was his job, Curtis. Like going in, into spring practice, it was a matter of, Carson, can you just not screw this up? Like, that's really what it was. Like, can you not screw it up? And let's just at least see how the other guys taking these massive strides. And while I do think that both Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vanegrift did make strides this spring, and they've both gotten better and they're both good players, 
they haven't made near enough strides to prove that they are clearly head and shoulders above better than Carson Beck. And that's what I said at the outset of spring practice. Curves. I think you were with me on this. I, I certainly wasn't alone, but our general idea, our thought process was for one of the other two guys, Vandegrift or, or Stockton to win this job. They had to prove that they were without a doubt, significantly better than Carson Beck because Carson got the experiential edge on them. He's got the playing time edge on them. And from what I've been able to, to get from this spring, from people that I know around the programs, a couple of sources, and then match that with what I saw yesterday out there inside Sanford Stadium, there's no way with a straight face you can say that either Brock Vandegrift or Gunnar Stockton are head and shoulders better than Carson Beck. And I don't think you can say in any way, shape, or form that they are better than Carson Beck. Carson Beck is the best quarterback on this team. He is quarterback number one. Um, you know, I, I kind of backed off on that a couple of weeks ago. I wish I kind of shouldn't have. But, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago, coming out of the first scrimmage that I didn't even really want to entertain it as a, as a quarterback battle anymore. Cause I, I felt like Carson Beck was checking all the boxes that Kirby puts the biggest premium on in terms of making the decision on who's ultimately going to be the quarterback. I did walk that back a little bit after the first scrimmage. Cause I got word that following that scrimmage where, where Carson did have a, a couple boneheaded mistakes as Kirby likes to say, I got word that the, that the reps were the ones that kind of evened out between him and Vandegrift to a degree. But Carson also really finished strong the past week and a half or so, started to separate himself. And again, yesterday was the, was the, was the final cherry on top. And Curtis, I, I'm going to go back to what you said. I totally agree with you. It's not even about the final numbers. Yes, Carson's final numbers were were better than than Brock's, and they're better than, than Stockton's. I mean, what was it? Curtis's final numbers? Ain't what? Oh, let me pull it together here. He was 15 to 22 for 231 yards, one touchdown, and most importantly, no interceptions. Vandegrift ended up, I think, 13 of 25 for 175 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But I, I want to throw the numbers out. It's not about the numbers. It's about what you said, Curtis. Carson Beck was in total command operating our offense. That's what I wanted to see. And you're exactly right, Kurt, when you said that he wasn't always going to that primary target. You know, Kirby you know, made a comment a couple of weeks ago in one of his press conferences about how we put a lot on our quarterbacks. And he alluded to some court, some teams, you know, it's just one read and the quarterbacks don't really have a lot on their plate. And then, of course, Tennessee's coach, Josh Heupel, was asked about that. He's like, oh, no, we, we put more on our quarterback than anybody else. Like, get out of here with that, man. Your quarterbacks don't make reads. It's one read and take off. That's what they do. But we do put a lot on our quarterback, and it was really nice to see that Carson was going through his progressions at will, and he was finding the open guy. And I think one of the telltale signs, Curtis, is that there wasn't just one dude out there in the second year that, that we were picking on that he said, okay, we have a, a, a mismatch here. Let's pick on this guy. He was spreading the ball around to everybody. And he was just finding the open guy. And that's what you wanted to see out of Carson Beck. He was completely in rhythm. He understood where to go with the ball. Most importantly, did not put the ball in harm's way because that was the one thing that did hurt him in that first scrimmage. And, you know, the decision-making was, was fantastic. It, the accuracy was pinpoint all day long. He was dropping dimes everywhere. And, again, it's not that the other quarterbacks didn't look good. I think they did. But it was clear Beck is quarterback one. Like Kirby, we know what Kirby's going to do, guys. Kirby's going to keep, and he did it in the, in his post game press conference. Like he's going to keep reciting all his favorite lines because that's what he does about competitions, and that's what he should do. That's what we we should expect him to do. But make no mistake about it, guys. Like Carson Beck is the guy. Unless something catastrophic happens, or unless we see some insanely dramatic improvement from Brock Vandegrift to where he just leapfrogs Carson over the next couple of months going to fall camp. Carson Beck is going to start the season as our, as our number one quarterback. Now, will he, will he finish the season as a number one quarterback? I, I think at this point I would say yes, but I mean, I can't predict that now, but in terms of like, is he going to start the season as our number one guy? Yes. I mean, it's, it's very clear to me 
at this point. So, yeah, I mean, so we, I, we're both in agreement there, Curtis, but what did you think about Vandegrift and Stockton? Did either one of those guys, you know, impress you more than the other ones? Or do you feel good about both those guys? Um, I, feel, I still feel good. I don't think anyone really impressed me more than the other. I thought they both had like a couple times where they had some good throws. Um, but especially um, Stockton, the, the one th- feeling I got from him is the game is still a little quick. Yeah, and, and that's to be expected, right, at this stage in his career? Yeah, absolutely. It's not a surprise. I think Vandergriff, what got me really was it seemed like he wasn't seeing the field. I think that was the big difference between him and Beck is how they were seeing the field. I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I, I've, I've heard some people kind of like trying to poo-poo on, on Carson Beck and then the take that like he's clearly number one. They're saying, well, look, we got to work with the number one offense. Well, so did Brock Vandergriff in the second half, right? So, you know, there's that. Also, saying, well, anyone can sit back there in a clean pocket and throw all day. Well, Brock Vandergriff had a clean pocket, you know, and uh, did not didn't wasn't as successful with the first team offense as Carson Beck was. Curse. I mean, here's the numbers. This is, you know, I don't want to completely throw the numbers out here. I, they don't. I don't want to put too much stock in them. But I think it, this does matter to a degree. So l- let's go with their numbers with the first team offense going against the first team defense. Curse. I think this is important because our first team defense is the type of defense, now it's the best defense they're going to face all year, but it's the type of defense that they're going to be going against week in and week out in the SEC, especially when we get in the championship season, right? So I think it's really indicative you know, how they performed against that first-team defense is, is a really strong indicator of kind of where they are in their development right now. And I know it's a small sample size. I get it, guys. I understand that, yes, as we said at the outset, I, I know, I know this is one small snapshot of the totality of spring practice, but it's what we have to go with. And this is the as close to a game setting as we're going to get. This is as close as to, to simulating that as we get. Carson was 13 of 18 for 211 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions against the first team defense in his first half of work. Brock Vandegrift exclusively essentially worked with the with the first team, or he was the only one that really got first team reps in the in the second half. And he went four of 11 for 40 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. That just le- leads further credence to the idea that right now Carson Beck is the guy. Now, to Brock Vandegrift's credit, Curtis. There were a lot of drop passes that he threw out there, right? Yeah, I will say it wasn't wasn't the best um, showing for Oscar Delp. He had quite a few drops. Yeah, Delp did drop a couple passes. You know, I I I still have a lot of faith in Oscar Delp. Oh yeah, I still have faith. It just wasn't his best performance. Yeah, there, and, he had a drop. You know, um, Rod Roger Robinson drop. had one one or two. Yeah, Roger Robinson had at least one. I think Anthony Evans had one. The freshman. Um, who else? I think CJ CJ Smith had one. So there are multiple drops for 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 Brock Vandegrift, and his numbers would have been better because he was basically right around hovering fifty percent completion percentage, which is not what you want to see. But there were a lot of drops in there that weren't really his fault. Now, could he, some of those could he thrown a more catchable ball potentially? But going back to what you were saying there, Curtis, there were moments, you know, because I heard somebody say, you know, or I saw somebody say on social media, a couple of people actually, like, well, Vandegrift dealt with a lot more pressure than Carson Beck did. It, I think that there is the appearance of that being the case, but I think one of the reasons that Carson didn't see as much pressure is he got the ball out of his freaking hands, dude, right? Like he knew where to go with the ball, and before the pressure could get there, the ball's out of his hand. He did not allow the pressure to happen. You know, almost all the time you see all these people want to put, you know, if there's pressure on the quarterback, they put it on the offensive line. And certainly that plays a large role in it, but the quarterback has a role in that as well. You have got to get the ball out of your hands. You have to be comfortable and confident back there and know where to go with the football and not just be sitting back there thinking all day long. And yet the feel that brought Vandergriff was doing more of that than Carson Beck. Am I crazy saying that, Curtis? 
No, not at all. I mean, the one throw that really stands out to me for Beck was that one he threw to Dylan Bell on the left, um, on the left side of the field, where he, he got rid of that ball. He saw it happen real quick and was done. You know, the ball was out. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm talking about with command of the offense. It's not that Rot Vinegar, if he, if he had to start for us, that he couldn't do a good job. I, I believe he could do a good job. I think Gunnar Stockton, if he was pressing the duty, could do a good job for us. I just think Beck would do the best job for us right now based off everything that we've seen, based on what we know about him, based on his experience, all of those things. It all points to one thing. It points to Carson Beck being the guy, and that's just where I am with it right now. Uh, could something happen in fall camp? I mean, yeah, I guess. I just – I don't see it. I just, I do not see it. Spring practice is where one of those guys would really make that jump. And I do think they got better, but Carson answered the bell as well. So I feel really, really good where we are at quarterback right now. And uh, I just think, again, Carson Beck is clearly, in my estimation, quarterback number one for this 2023 Georgia Bulldogs football team. All right, Curtis. So that's the quarterback stuff. We want to get that out of the way first, but let's stick with the offense here for, for a couple more minutes. Other than quarterback, what was your biggest takeaway about Georgia's offense coming out of G-Day? Um, you know, I know it was a spring practice, but I thought um, I really liked the scheme that Mike Bobo was running. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are worried about what's going to happen to the offense with Todd Munkin going away, but I still thought we had some very nice pass patterns going out there. I know you try to keep it vanilla, but I thought we were still creative to a degree um, with, while trying to stay vanilla. This This – notion that Mike Bobo is going to take our offense back to the stone age is the greatest fallacy in college football this season, like coming into this season, like that's, you know, our opposing fan bases, rivals, of course, they're going to say they think that there's some national media members who think those kind of things. A ton of people in our fan base think that. And I, it's just crazy. Kurt. It's like in no way, shape or form is that going to happen. We're going to keep this train rolling. Mike Bobo is a fantastic offensive coordinator. He did a great job for us uh, back before he left to take the Colorado State head coaching job. He's got more talent than he's ever had to work with. He is going to make a lot of people eat a lot of crow this season. I, I actually turned around. I, I was at the game with my dad at G-Day yesterday, and I turned to him, you know, at some point in the first half, and I was like, man, it's it's like I, I felt this when we, we made the hire and everyone was losing their minds. And, oh, my God, why do we promote Mike Bobo? He's going to make a lot of people be a lot of crow. And I, I feel very confident saying that. I think it's going to be a really good team. I think it's going to be a really good combination with him and Carson Beck and, and what Carson's able to do throwing the football. And this offense is just going to, is going to keep humming. I, I totally agree with you. My biggest takeaway, Curtis, is, is this, man. We have weapons in the pass game. I, I wanted yeah. to just say receiver, like our receivers. And I'll, I'll, let's go there, Curtis. Let's start with receivers. Is it a stretch to say that this is the best receiving core that we've ever had in in the Kirby Smart era. Well, I don't think there's any question. Realistically. Yeah, I, I don't think like someone would try to argue with me on that. And I was like, huh? Like, we don't have George Pickens. We don't have AD Mitchell. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, we're still really awesome. We don't have Jermaine Burton. Yeah, I know. I I, I know exactly who we don't have, but I also know who we have. I was gonna say. I, I, I mean, Dominic Lovett is gonna be really good. Ra Ra didn't even play yesterday. What did you make of that? Um, it makes sense. I think that it's a way to kind of punish him for everything that's happened without him truly missing game time, which I, I need think- to ask some people about that. I'm not exactly sure what was going on there. Did you hear Kirby's postgame press conference when he was asked about that? I did not. And I think that's kind of why, you know, Kirby's never one of these either that's going to really put a kid, the business out there for everyone. Yeah, else. He's not going to reveal all their business, but he's like, he'll give you a pretty straightforward answer without 
giving you specifics. And it's what really he said, are you smart enough to read between the lines? Yeah, with the- that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And what he said, he was asked about like, why don't we see Ra Ra? And he said, Ra Ra's got some things he's working through that we're helping him work through. And that's and that's what he said. And it's like, I mean, obviously read into what you want, but I think it's pretty clear what's going on there uh, with some of the off-field stuff. And, you know, Ra Ra, I think he'll be fine. I haven't heard, like no one's, like when I asked about the team, I I, I don't, no one said anything directly about Ra Ra, like not being a part of the team and or whatever. I haven't heard anything like that. I'll ask and see and bring it to you if I hear anything. But yeah, I think it was just one of those, those kind of deals. I know he was practicing with the team during spring practice, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Back to the question of course, like this is the best receiver we've ever had, right? Oh, no. I mean, to me, there's no question. I mean, between our two deep right now is really, really good. In my opinion. I, I think our three deep, man. I mean, so let's, 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 let's try to, let, let's do a little exercise here. Who do you, okay? We saw who was out there to start the game yesterday. Who would you say is our, our top three receivers? So we got X, Z, and your slot guy. Um, I think right now, starting the year, you're looking at Arian, uh, Ladd, and Marcus. Yes. And I think you're going to rotate, you're going to rotate Dominic Lovett in there liberally. I think those are a top four. How about the second unit? Who do you got there? If you maybe that's you can throw re- Dominic Lovett in the second unit, I guess maybe. I was gonna say that. That's why I, I guess I'd put Lovett, Raw, Raw, and um, Dylan Bell. Yeah, Dylan Bell is another guy, dude. He, he had a really good spring. I heard a lot of good things about him, and he he I don't want to say he balled out, but he made some really nice plays out there at, at G Day. He's a guy that I think was kind of a forgotten piece in this in this passing game. I think he's going to be a really good player for us. And Curtis, I mean the freshman. I really I know it's a small sample size, man. I know, and I know they don't exactly know exactly you know, completely what they're doing right now. But all three of those young guys with Yazid Haynes, Anthony Evans, Tyler Williams is a guy I really like with some size. He can also move at that at that size. I mean, that's that's a really if, if those are your threes. It, it, what about guys like the Nyland Morissette, Jackson Meeks, who had a touchdown and carried the, half the defense in the end zone? I think we legitimately go four deep with guys who could who could. I don't know if they would necessarily all start for us, other SEC teams, but maybe kind of right. I mean, just. Jackson Meek start on other SEC. I mean, he's not going to start for Alabama. He's not going to start for LSU probably. But are there SEC teams out there, the guys like Jackson Meeks and CJ Smith start for? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and those guys are like fours for us. Like they're that's that's where they are right now. So I I think it's definitely without a question the deepest wide receiver unit that we've had under Kirby Smart. I think it will be the best. Now the question becomes: Do we have that top flight alpha guy? Lad has been the of uh, the guys that we have right now that have played for Georgia. Lad's been the closest to being that guy. I mean, he's kind of, he was that guy for a slasher's AD. He was doing whatever. We, Dominic Lovett, we've seen him do that for another program with Missouri. I think he can be that guy for us this year. Arian Smith, though, Curtis, is a guy that if he can stay healthy, and we know with his career, that's a massive if right now. If he can stay healthy, how good can Arian Smith be this year? Oh, I think he can be really good. I don't think he'll ever lead the team in receptions, but he has the ability to lead us in yardage just because he has the big play capability. Yeah, he can be the biggest threat on the team. Like, he's a guy that even if he's not getting the football, his presence on the field attracts a lot of attention. You have to account for him. If, if you leave him one-on-one, he will run by you. There's not, a, there's not one single cornerback in the country that can run with him. Not one. There's not one defensive back in the country that will run with Arian Smith if you're just talking about a straight go route. You've got to pay attention to him. That opens things up for a lot of people. Even if he's not making the catch, he's out there affecting the football game. So I, I, I would love for Arians to stay healthy because, I mean, that's just a, a type, the type of weapon that we ever have really had consistently. So I'm very excited for him and what he can be this year. The other guy I want to ask you about, Curtis, before we move on here, 
Marcus shows me Jack Saint. This is a guy that's kind of been a complimentary piece his entire career at Georgia. And he has been a guy that has embraced that complimentary role with arms wide open. And I, you love that about this guy. He's shown flashes in the past game. Can he be a guy that steps up and becomes a big time weapon in the past game for us this year? I don't know. <clears throat> it depends on his agil- agility and kind of creating separation, but the guy has really shown some, sh- or shown some strong hands and has made strides. Um, he made some big catches. You think back to some big third down plays later in the season, that big touchdown catch against Tennessee. He has shown glimpse of it, so I don't want to say he can't. Yeah, I think that Marcus is a really good player. I think there's a lot more that he can give us in the pass game. Do I think he's a George Pickens level receiver? I don't. I'm not saying he's that kind of guy. But this guy, let's not forget, guys. Like he was a top 50 guy coming out of high school. He's a really, really good player. I think it was uh, it was, it was the St. Thomas. It was either St. Thomas Aquinas or American Heritage. I forget the top of my head. I, I want to say Thomas. it was he was St. Thomas, 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 right? It was it was Aquinas. Yeah, it was Aquinas. And this is a guy that dealt. We know his leg fell off. We know in the in his freshman year in Florida in the, in the COVID year. And it took him a while to get back, but he is back, man. He is moving better right now than I've ever seen him move in his yeah, career. Yeah, he seems to finally be like fully a lot more. He, fluid he looks twitchy there. right now, which he didn't. Yeah, you know, after and the that's injury. the one thing I've noticed about him. Just even some of those past the you know the routes he was running yesterday on Saturday looked a lot different. Yeah, the way he's exploding out of his cuts, putting his foot in the ground, and, and, and exploding out of those breaks, the twitchiness he shows when he gets the ball in his hands. I think Marcus is going to have a big year for us catching the football curves. We know what he can do in the blocking game. Like that, that there's no no question there. But I think he's is he going to be our number one receiver? I don't I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. But I think he's going to make some plays, a lot of plays for us this year. I think he's going to be the best version of Marcus Rosemey Jackson that we've seen through his career. I'm very excited for him because this is a guy that's done everything the right way and embraced that role when a lot of guys don't, like <clears throat> Jermaine Burton. Um, and uh, I love the guy, and I'm, I'm rooting hard for him. I'm absolutely rooting really hard for him. But yeah, so receivers, it's the deepest. Of course, I would say it's the deepest that we've ever had at Georgia, maybe in the history of the program, as, as long as I've been that, watching. I, I don't think that's a stretch at all. I mean, in terms of depth, I'm not – like, we don't have – we'll see if we have the top flight guy. Do we have an A.J. Green? No. The answer to that is no. Um, do we have a George Pickens-type guy, an A.D. Mitchell? Like, I think we have an A.D. Mitchell-type guy. I don't know if we have a George or, or a, an A.J. Green-type guy, but – if you take the this group in totality, I think it's clearly the deepest. And then if you throw in Brock Bowers, who I know is not a receiver, but also kind of in a way, this is the best passing pass catching unit we've ever had at Georgia. It, there's no question if I throw him, Oscar's up. I know had some drops, but Oscar's gonna be fine, guys. He's a really good player for us. Lawson Lucky is a guy that's gonna make some plays for us as well this year. I am just um, ecstatic about what we have, Curtis, in the past game. I think Carson is going to light people up this year. I truly believe. I think Carson is going to light people up. I think he will be in the Heisman Trophy conversation. I'm not going to say he's going to be in New York. I'm not going to go that far. You need to see it more on the field in actual games. But with what we have to work with, the offensive line that he has to protect him, and I do believe in Mike Bobo and what I've seen from Carson Beck when he's had opportunities to get out there and show what he can do, I believe he will be in the conversation throughout most of the season. I really do believe that. So, yeah, man, I'm excited about this offense and all those weapons in the past game. Um, they have me salivating, man. Absolutely. All right, Kurt, let's flip this over to defense, man. Same question. Same question I asked about the offense. What was your biggest takeaway about the Georgia defense coming out of G-Day? Um, if I had to say, I really think that this is the first time I felt like we had um, – that our defense is just – outrageously fast um you know going back to the first time you said that well 
I wasn't in a couple years realistically because we were really good last year, but I, you just we just didn't have that same team speed that we had two years prior or the year prior. Oh, in 2021, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, and so I think this was the thing that like I, that was the one thing that really took away is like, oh my god, we have that speed. We had guy. three first round draft picks, or well, not first round draft picks, but three draft picks at, at linebacker roaming around the field. Those guys were legit, and I feel like we're already back there. That inside linebacker group, Curtis, dear God. Yeah. Dear God. I, I mean, mean, that very what? first play by um what? The very first play by CJ Allen that hit where on Lost and Lucky yeah. on Brock's first pass, you're like right away, you're like, who is this guy? I mean, Curtis, CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson right now are working with the threes with our inside linebackers. That's where they are. And you saw how good those guys are. And I know the freshmen, and I, they may not stick at threes all year. We'll see. They are extraordinarily talented. They got to learn what to do more consistently. Obviously, we know those things. But those dudes are threes for our inside linebackers right now. Are you kidding me? I mean, honestly, of course, how many? I know I just asked you this question about the receivers or who, who asked you about? Yeah, receivers. Um, how many of the SEC programs out there do CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson start for game one this year? If they mean, their teams. There's probably a handful of teams that could do that. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, 100%. Arkansas, 100%. Um, A&M, probably. Um, Vanderbilt. <laughs> Vanderbilt, 100%. Tennessee, 100%. Florida um, South- needs some help. I'll tell you what. What? Florida needs them, too. Oh, yeah. Florida, South Carolina, can I think Kentucky. Um, honestly, I, Curtis, Tresman Marshall might start for Alabama. So, yes, I'm going to stay Alabama. Alabama says linebackers aren't great. They're fine. They're good. They're, they're not that those guys. Um, LSU, maybe. I mean, Curtis, I, I think you can legitimately say just about every other team in the SEC, if those guys were on their team, they'd probably start for them this year. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, at, at the very least half of them. Maybe I'm, again, overreaction is the name of the game here after G-Day. But, I mean, a lot of them, Curtis, a lot of them. And those guys are threes right now. Just absolutely insane. And those guys can fly around the field. And we got another one, Troy Bowles son of NFL head coach uh, Todd Bowles. He's going to be here this summer. He wasn't early enrollee, so you throw another one in the mix. I mean, Jesus Christ, those linebackers, man, just out of control. Smile didn't even play yesterday. He's probably the fastest of the entire group. Didn't even play yesterday. Just an embarrassment of riches. And, uh, yeah, we team speed all over the place, Curtis. I mean, that's, that's what recruiting does for you. And one thing that struck me, Curtis, is just the depth in general that – we are so deep at every position that you have, you see all these guys roaming out there. And you're like, dude, this, this guy is good. And then you think about it. And you're like, how is he going to play this year? Like, how are we going to find time? And we try to rotate as liberally as we can, but how do you find time to get all these guys snaps? You just can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it does just, get to a point where it's, you kind of question. And, and so, you know, now it's kind of like, we'll get to this later on. It's like, well, who's going to hit the portal? Cause this guy is really good. He should be playing somewhere. Easily could be playing almost anywhere else in the country, but he can't play here because we just had this embarrassment of riches all over the defense at basically every single position. Now we are young at some positions and experienced at some positions, but it doesn't mean we aren't talented. Doesn't mean we don't have the dudes because we do. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not embarrassing. It's, it's a sight for sore eyes. It's amazing. It's what we always dreamed of having a George. I mean, we are a freaking machine and this is what we're talking about, but the depth is out of control. And here is my, I guess that's part of my takeaway, but my biggest takeaway, Curtis, this is what I, what I was going to say is I don't think there's going to be one single defense in America. Once again, I don't think this is, this is a new story for us, but there would not be one single defense in America that would be more talented than ours. Is that, is that just an outrageous overreaction? 
I think it's par for the course with what we've built now. I mean, that's just what we are, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't other talented defenses. I mean, Alabama's going to be talented. We know how they recruit. Ohio State has a talented defense. We know all that. But who has more talent than we have on defense? That team doesn't exist. No, that team doesn't, doesn't exist. That doesn't mean people won't score on us here and there. And, you know, we won't give a big, a big play here and there. Things happen. But in terms of overall talent, Kirby has built a Death Star. He has built a machine that is just going to churn people up. It just absolutely just destroy them. Eat them alive. And it's been doing that for a couple of years, and it's just going to continue on in the future. And this, I don't know, man, like overall depth and talent-wise, this might be the most overall talent we have on a Georgia defense. Now, we don't, I don't know if we have that guy in the interior as a Jalen Carter, you know, Jordan Davis-esque guy, but the totality of our defense with all that talent, I don't know if we've had a more talented overall unit with all this depth this year. It's it's crazy to see. Crazy to see. All right, Kurt. So we went over the offense there. Big takeaway, defense, big takeaway. Let's just open this thing up, man. Who else or what else caught your eye out there for better or worse? I got to say um, Jordan Hall. He's going to be a monster. I mean, him batting down passes. It's just the awareness of him. He's going to be an absolute monster. I mean, it, it, the awareness on top of the physicality, Curtis, is what this guy brings to the table from a physical standpoint. He is a man amongst men, and the guy is a true freshman. He should still be in high school right now, and he's that big, strong, physical, athletic. Now, I do have – let's talk about this real quick. We're talking about defensive linemen, Curtis. Did you see anything out there at G-Day to suggest to you that we have anybody that's going to raise their game to the level of a Jalen Carter type player this year? Not to that level. I saw some guys that did impress me. I agree with you. I I don't think that we have a guy that's ready to be Jalen Carter this year. But I think we have more depth this year than we did yes. last year. Absolutely. That's exactly where I think we have more guys ready to contribute and play at a high level. And the cool thing about it is, Curtis, what has me excited about it is like, would I prefer to have a Jalen Carter or a Jordan Davis or even a Devontae Wyatt? Well, yeah, you know, first round draft picks would be great. And uh, that that's something you would love to have. And, and I think some of these guys will grow into first round draft picks, but they're not quite there yet. But these guys bring different things to the table. You know, some guys are bigger and stronger at the point of attack. Some guys are quicker and athletic and can penetrate in the backfield. Guys like Christian Miller and Warren Brinson, for instance. And you got guys like Jordan Hall who can do that, but is also strong at the point of attack. You know, obviously Nas Stackhouse fills that role very well. Um, you got Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, who's another one of those quick guys out there that plays more on the on the edges of five. But I think what we're able to do with the different types of the different body types that we have on the defensive line is we're going to be able to mix and match situationally and based on game plans, based on opponents. And even though we don't have a Jalen Carter, I think I don't want to say that we better on the defensive line, but also is that a crazy thing to maybe even think Curtis? I think that maybe we could be. I don't think it is because, you know, we struggled when Jalen Carter went out, but I don't see that being the case as much. I mean, rel- yeah. It's all relative, but yes, we weren't as good without Jalen, right? Yeah, you saw a noticeable difference. Yeah. And this year, I mean, again, while we don't have a Jalen Carter guy that's going to dominate the way that he did, you know, we have a lot of guys that can really help us this year, Curtis. And we're going to we're gonna rotate those guys and keep them fresh. And look, we, we, we would rotate, obviously, on the defensive line, but we, we try to play Jalen as much as we could last year. Because as you said, there's a, there's a, there a drop-off when Jalen was out of the game. So we had to have him in, in, in clutch time situations. But, you know, you can see at times out there, Curtis, you know, Jalen can only go so many plays without, you know, he's, he's huffing out there. Right. And it's like, okay, well, we're, he's out there, but this is not like 
prime Jalen Carter. We're not getting hundred percent out of this guy because he's, he's sucking wind right now. And that's not going to be a problem this year. We have so many bodies and so many guys that can play the high level for us that may, I think actually we could end up being better on the defensive line, even though we don't have that one superstar or a guy who's ready to be a superstar right now. I think Jordan Hall, maybe Jamal Jarrett will grow into that. Um, but I don't know if they're ready right now. Speaking of the defensive lineman, Curtis, Christian Miller's a guy who didn't, who was, you know, we'll talk about Bear Alexander here in a few minutes. Came in last year, Bear Alexander didn't really play at all last year. Had to kind of get ready to, to, I I guess, basically get ready to play at, at the, at that level, play at an SEC caliber level. And he wasn't ready right away, but I liked what I saw from him out of high school. And he played a lot for us yesterday. What did you make of what you saw from Christian Miller? I actually, you know, that was one of my surprises. I thought he had a really good game. Um, I think he is someone that's going to bring a lot to us in the passing pass rush. Yeah, it was interesting. I totally agree. Um, interesting for me, he played more of the zero tech than three tech, which yeah, he was I was surprised about that too. Yeah, that's interesting. Traditionally, what we've done to, at the zero tech, is, that's a Jordan Davis, Nas Stackhouse, John John Atkins type position where you have a guy that's just a space eater who's going to anchor against the run and and be a, a, an immovable object, right? Well, that's not what Christian Miller is. He's a different kind of zero tech. He's a guy, as you said, has some twitch, has athleticism, and is a guy that can absolutely give you pass rush and penetrate into the backfield. He reminds me more of a Devontae Wyatt type body absolutely. than he does, yeah. you know, Jordan Davis. And that's 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 who he's been, right? And even in high school, that's why I'm surprised that we have him at the zero tech and at the three tech. Like he his body type to me and his skill set is a prototypical three tech guy. That's what I mean. He, he honestly, like, if there's a comp on our team right now, I think he's closer to Warren Brinson than he is to anyone, any of the other demons alignment. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I agree with that. I think he's more of that kind of player. And Warren doesn't really play the zero Texas. I just found that interesting, but I don't, I don't hate it. I kind of like it because that gives us a little something different there from what Nas gives us. And again, that's what I'm talking about with versatility and being able to, to mix and match based on, on scheme, based on game plan, based on opponent, based on situation within the game. And uh, I think Christian Miller's going to be really good for us, guys. I, I'm really, really high on what Christian Miller – Curtis, another guy he reminds me a lot of, Tyler Clark. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're the same number. At first, exact I was kind of like, who is this guy? 52. Yeah, they, they are the same. I, I did, that did not cross my mind. But, yes, the body type, though, Curtis, like it's like, is that Tyler Clark out there? I mean, it's just – and Tyler Clark was that explosive, kind of twitchy guy on the interior defensive line. That's who Christian Miller is going to be for us. And remember how good Tyler Clark was? I mean, he was a hell of a player for us, man. So I'm excited about Christian Miller. I know he's still young. He's still got a ways to go and grow. But, man, he's going to be really good for us. I'm I'm, I'm very excited about him. Um, all right, Kurt, let's go um, – Xavier Sori. So we talked a lot – we've already talked about the, the young inside linebackers. And we didn't spend much time talking about Xavier and Sori all spring long, Curtis. Now, he's a guy that was in our dime package to open last season, ended up losing that role to Jalen Walker later in the season. And so it's kind of like, well, where does Xavier and Sori fit in? Like, what is his future here? Honestly, there were I, I had thoughts of like, is this guy going to be one of those dudes that explores the portal? And I didn't want that because I'm really high on what he could be. He's now entering his third year in the program. He was out there with, with Smile Mondin out with a foot injury. He was out there with the first unit at inside linebacker. So he right now looks like he is our he is our first guy off the bench at inside linebacker. What did you make of Xavier Sori, and how do you feel about what he's going to add to this team this year? Um, to be honest, I actually liked what I saw from him. I thought um, he moved really well, read the field really well. Curtis, um, he chased I, down Arian Smith on a on a fly sweep. He did. I actually thought. I mean, I was more impressed with what we had with him than. Um, 
I did with pop really. You said it, man. Uh, look, I, I love pop pop is an awesome player for us, but pop is not the same level athlete as these other guys. We have that position, right? No, not at all. I mean, especially when you're thinking, Doesn't mean he's downs. not good, but he's not the same level athlete. No, he's not. I mean, you think of passing downs. It's kind of almost like where we may be more in a situation what we were when um, we had um, Monty Rice. Yeah, or no, well, that also, but also the fact of like Quay came out a lot of the times unless he was blitzing in passing yeah. situations because they would put Tyndall in. Yeah. Um, and we may be similar to that now. Yeah, I think we're going to have a very liberal, not liberal, but we're going to like, you know, it, it's always been situ- like situationally based on the season, right? If we have three guys we trust, we'll be a three man rotation inside linebacker. If we have four guys we trust, it'll be four man rotation. We haven't really seen much of a five man rotation, but. I think at the very least, we're going to have a four-man rotation, right? At the very least. I would say so. I mean, at times we had a four-man rotation last year, and the three and four, there was a noticeable drop-off. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. 100%. So you got Tresman Marshall and Ryan Davis were our top two backups last year, Curtis. Um, Xavier Sori, EJ Lightsey, dude. I, that's a dude that we – I mentioned his name on the G-Day preview episode last week for the first time all spring. You and I did not talk about him because I wasn't hearing much about him. What did you make of what you saw from EJ Lightsey? Um, I mean, this, he was out sounds, there as the as the the fourth guy for the yeah. For the one off it sounds season. very repetitive, but it really is the fact of like you, I didn't see one thing that that where I was like, okay, they'll never play. Like, yeah, just the defense from top to bottom was. It just felt like we were back in that position of like domination. Yeah, it's just speed. It's just not much of a drop. I'm not gonna say there's no drop off. I mean, pop in, smile, start for a reason. But dude. If we had to bring Xavier Sword and EJ Lightsey on the field, or even Raylan Wilson and CJ Allen, ain't much of a drop off. And I'm totally with you. I felt like last year when Ryan Davis and Tresman Marshall came on the field, there was a noticeable drop off. This year, I don't think that's going to be the case. It's just not. I mean, there's not going to be much of a drop off there. It's it's all six of those guys could be starting elsewhere in the SEC. And it's crazy to think that we have stacked that room the way that we have. It's a credit to Kirby Smart more so. It's a credit to Glenn Schumann and what he's done with that room. Just, I mean, we give Todd Hartley a lot of credit for always nailing his top targets. Lynn Schumann doesn't miss. He doesn't. He does. He doesn't miss on his top targets. It's crazy. It's the only guy he's actually missed was um, Noah Sewell. And we almost pulled him away from his family, which that's how good of a recruiter Glenn Schumann is. So that's why Glenn Schumann is getting paid the big bucks, guys. Recruiting, obviously, what he's doing in the defense, but dude's just a dynamic recruiter. So, yeah, I mean, Xavier Sori, EJ Lightsey. Let's not forget, guys, EJ Lightsey got shot. As a senior in high school, it's an it was a, he was an innocent bystander, but he got struck by a stray bullet, and so for him to be able to come back and I mean just the way he, again I know it's a small sample size and I know we're probably overreacting here, but when I'm looking at what I'm looking for at G Day guys and Chris, I don't know if if you're the same way, but I'm looking. It's not so much about okay what stats did you put up, it's how do you move. You know what I mean, especially at, at, on defense. How do you move? What skill set do you have? How athletic are you? How powerful are you at the point of attack? Those are the things I'm looking for. And all of our linebackers checked all those boxes, you know? And I'm just, it's crazy to think that we have all these guys right now. I think Sori's going to be really good for us, Curtis. I mean, his speed, I think, is undervalued because he's a bigger guy. Uh, But he also has a lot of pass rush capabilities because that's essentially what he did in high school. I mean, he was an outside linebacker. He played on the edge. He didn't play off ball like he does now. So that's why it took him some time to kind of adjust to playing that that position, which is a lot like Quay Walker, Curtis, a lot like Quay Walker coming to Crisp County. Didn't we play inside linebacker? He he did not have immediate success because he was not ready to play that position. He didn't know how to. He had to learn. He had to grow. And by the time he got towards the end of his career, 
his his last year or a year and a half in the program, you're like, okay, yeah, this guy's a first round draft pick. And lo and behold, yeah, first round draft pick. So I'm not saying Story's gonna be a first round draft pick, but I'm also not saying he won't, you know. Uh, all right, uh, who else did you see, Kurt? Who else stood out to you? Um, Janelle Aguero. He was next on my list. Okay, how surprised were you to see him at star and not safety? Not very surprised um, because I don't know how good he is coverage-wise, but I think the guy has all those tools of like what made Bullard so good and coming in and stopping the run. He's honestly what Kirby wants at star, like his body prototype, because you have to have someone first and foremost that can that can fit against the run. And with that body, Curtis, like Jesus Christ, that dude's 18 years old. Okay. Dang, man. All right. Uh, and he, who did he light up? He nailed somebody. Um, he, li- he lit up one of the, or someone on it was like, like a picture direct. perfect tackle. Oh, I, I think it may have been lucky too. I remember it's when Kirby was, was lucky again. Interviewed. Maybe it was, I don't know, but he, I he can't remember. Lucky out. took quite a few shots. To yeah, be he, did. he did take a couple of shots, but Aguero looked really good at that spot. He's not going to start for us. At least not to open the season. I mean, Tyke Smith's that guy right now, right? Yeah. But Aguero is like he is number two at that spot. And I could you foresee a situation where because we usually don't rotate that much at in the secondary, but it's not unprecedented, Curtis. We remember we had Tyke Smith and Mark Webb. Or not Tyke, Tyreek, Tyreek Stevenson, not Tyke Smith, Tyreek Stevenson and Mark Webb. Those guys rotated that position. Could you potentially foresee that happening this year if Aguero can continue to come on and learn the system? Potentially, I think it really will depend on how well does Taiki do in stopping the run. Yeah, and I think I have no reason to believe that Taiki won't be very effective doing that. I think he's going to be a really good player for us this year. But it might be one of those things where it's like Aguero is just too good to keep off the field. You know what I mean? And I know Taiki will be going after this year, and Aguero will be the guy. He'll be the heir apparent. But I think Kirby's going to want to get him some playing time. I'm not going to say it's going to be a full-on, like, you know, series-by-series rotation. But I do think you're going to see Aguero actually play meaningful reps and not just wait for garbage time. I think this guy's got the skill set, um, and he's got the, just the physical pro- profile of what Kirby looks for at that position. I, I think he's going to get some time. There. I really do believe that. Um, are we ready to say that Javon Bullard is just playing safety full time? Is that what's happening yeah. here? Uh, I've con- yeah. I mean, he did, did. I could be wrong. I I I watched it live. Went back and, and watched the replay. I did not see him take one rep any any other position other than safety. Right. I don't think I did either. Now, one way you can look at that, Curtis, is saying, well, we already know that he can play that position. We know that he can play star, so he doesn't need reps. But also, even though we know he's done it before, you still need reps at that position. The fact that he was repping exclusively at safety, what that tells me is Javon Bullard is going to be our starting safety next to Malachi Starks, right? Yeah, I believe that. Do you like that? Do you, do you feel good about that? I do. I, I think as well, I think I mean realistically too, as long as Starks is out there, I feel pretty safe. I mean, Javon Bullard and Malachi Starks, that's a dynamic duo back there at safety, man. Those are two big time players for us. Does Dan Jackson have a chance once he gets back healthy? I don't know if he has a chance, but I think he's still gonna get reps, especially in um passing packages. Um I mean I, I didn't Does see a lot of like that dying of- package like he like he had prior to the injury. I think so because I David Daniel did not impress me as much as I thought he may. Yeah, he was out there working with the first unit. He was rotating in. Um, yeah, I, I have to believe that Dan's going to have something to say about that. I have to believe that. This is a guy who has starting experience for us. So we'll see. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a competition there. I mean, Ja'Cory Thomas is another guy that's in the competition. He's working with the second team. It still is a, is a good player, did some nice things for us. I thought Justin Rett, 
Another guy coming in as a freshman did some good things for us back there. He was number nine in secondary, working with the the red defense. I thought he did he he did some good things, looked good. I think it's a guy that could be a contributor for us there as well. I just don't think it's going to be this year. It's just again an embarrassment of riches. There's just too many big time players in front of him. But I think down the road he could be a really good player. Now, Curtis, I know you texted me during the game a couple different times. One guy in particular you texted me about was true freshman edge player Samuel Mpimba. Tell the masses what you saw from Mpimba. Um, you know, he was the one that I think his body's a little bit further ahead than the other guys. I mean, you, you saw the speed. I mean, the one play that really stands out to me the most is where we tried to get more set on the end around and th- there was just no chance of that happening. So we have three guys at that position playing the Jack linebacker position that are true freshman early enroll. We have Samuel and Pimba, Damon Wilson, who's a top rated guy in our 2023 recruiting class. Gabe Harris is a guy that no one really talks about, but I think is just as talented as these, as the other two guys. How would you rank them based off what you saw at G? I know it's, again, very small sample size, but what you saw from them, which is all we had to work off of at this point, how would you rank those three? I think I'm going to go Mpimba, Wilson, and then Harris. Yeah, I think Mpimba number one, I agree with you. I think he looked the best off the hoof, which didn't surprise me because like just physically we knew coming out of high school he was that kind of guy, which is a matter of like he's got to sharpen his skill set. He was raw, very raw coming out of high school. And it looks like within you know a month or so of working in spring practice, he has improved his game from a technical standpoint. And so it's a long way to go. All three of those guys still have a long way to go. Don't get me wrong, a long way to go. But in Pimba, I think from an athleticism standpoint, from a physicality and just a physical profile standpoint, I thought he stood out more. Uh, Damon Wilson showed some pass rust. Uh, there's a couple of, I think there was two, uh, at least two plays that, that would have been sacks for him. I think they called one of them dead. I don't think they called the second one dead. But uh, he had flashed a really good inside move. He had a speed rush on the outside. Uh, going against the second team offensive line. I think it was against Chad Lindbergh. I thought Gabe Harris did some good things, Curtis. I thought Gabe Harris, again, I I don't think there's a gap at all. I think, you know, I would agree that Mpemba looked the best of the three, but I think Gabe Harris looked really good. I saw some really good things from Damon Wilson. I think Damon Wilson needs to add some weight would be my criticism of him. Um, Yeah, I I agree with that sentiment. And it's more so in the, the the lower half. Like he, he, the legs, he needs at the weight room and bulk up in the lower half, which he will. I have no doubt about that, but athletically, I mean, he can help us. He can help us rush the passer. And of course we know that Marvin Jones jr. And, and Jalen Walker, who are both going to play that position. We're not out there. Um, Chaz Chambliss. I mean, it was Chaz Chambliss, right? Yeah. Nothing spectacular, but, but solid. that's what Chaz yeah. is, you know? Like he does the dirty work, and I, and you got to respect him for that. And that, that that has value for our team. Darius Smith Curtis is a guy that I I talked about during spring practice. A guy that I was high on from an athleticism standpoint. He was out there with the first team defense at the at that Jack linebacker position. What did you make of of how Darius performed out there? At I thought he played well. You know, you kind of felt for him on the first series. They match him up with Brock, Brock, and the guy one. just had no chance. Yeah, I mean, he's got no – and guys, look, none of our outside linebackers have any chance against Brock Bowers in that situation. I thought Darius performed admirably when he was asked to do that. I mean, he was kind of there-ish. Carson made a good throw, and then Brock is just Brock, you know. He just does what Brock does. I think Darius Smith is – it was everything I thought about Darius Smith, that he's a guy, he showed me the physical, the physicality, he, or he showed me the athleticism that he brings to the table, um, the, the overall talent, the size, the length. He, he's got the package from a physical standpoint. It's just a matter of him learning to play the position. I thought he he showed strides, and we didn't see much of him last year. He was banged up a lot of the year. But I think he showed some strides. He's still got a long way to go, which is true for everyone at that position, except maybe Chaz. Chaz is obviously the one that's got the most experience. But I think he's a guy that is going to help us. He's going to play a lot for us this year. I, I think he'll be – even once Jones Jr. and – 
and Jalen Walker come back, I, th- I don't think Darius Smith is just going to like be a, a a forgotten man in the battle. I think he's gonna he's still going to be in the thick of that competition. I, I like I like what I saw from. Him. I think he's going to be a guy that can if he continues to grow and develop can be a good player for us. Um, let's see. Uh, we talk about receivers a little bit. Curse Dominic Lovett. So we heard all all spring long that Dominic Lovett was basically uncoverable during spring practice. Like just no one can handle this guy. We saw him make a couple of plays out there uh, at G day. What did you make uh, of, of what you saw from Dom Lovett? Did you, oh, you I think, think you- that the guys could be a stud? I know we're not trying to show too much and not, sure. um, um, not be very, you know, uh, we're very vanilla, but the fact is you can just see the shiftiness and the, the separation that he's a outside of the one play where uh, Malachi was covering him. No one else could really stay with him. Yeah. And, and you could tell Curtis, I mean, we we dialed up a couple of shots for him, you know, and we didn't really hit on all of them. Um, but I think that's in in a situation where you're right, we're trying to be vanilla. I think that's pretty indicative of how we feel about him. Like this is a guy that we're going to try to use as a, as a big time playmaker for us. But he's a guy at the very least, Curtis is going to be open for us all season long. I don't know if there's anyone out there in the slot as a slot DB who's going to be able to cover him consistently. Would not be when you're not able to get your hands on him, you know, come off the line because he's off the line of scrimmage in the slot. This guy is. He's everything that I've been dreaming about for so long. And Lad's filled that role admirably, but he's he's a obviously a, a, a touch above Lad in terms of athleticism and shiftiness. And Lad's going to be awesome for us. Lad is, that is just – that's who Lad is. Lad's going to be a big-time part of this offense, and he made a nice play in the first half of the game yesterday. But, man, it's a different level athlete when you talk about Dominic Love, and he's going to be open consistently all year long. And I think he's going to be – I, would, I really hope we use Love it in a similar way that they used um... – Devonte Smith was used where you know just keeps you know, where you can't get your hands on him. Do you think Lad? I mean, because Lad's done it, we know he can. Like, what is your best lineup? Is your best lineup Arian Smith at at the Z, Jackson at the X, or whoever at the X, and then you have Dominic Lovett in the slot or Lad in the slot, or is it? Or would you prefer maybe see Lad out the Z position or at the I X? Would, I would rather have a three-person lineup of Arian, Lovett, and Lad just stretching the field purely. In terms of pass? pass yeah. yeah, in terms yeah. of passing and stretching the field, that's going to put the most pressure on a defense. Yeah, I think I can go with that right now. Um, you know, I, I, as I said, I love my guy Marcus, but I think it'll probably be our, our – yeah, if we're trying to like – if we're trying to go out there and stretch the field we're trying to make some plays and it's third and long, that that would probably be what I would go with. Of course, you have Brock Bowers out there. But Tom McLovin's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem all year long. I think he's going to end up being our top receiver this year. I could be wrong on that, but that that's my projection right now. Uh, real quick, Curtis here, receivers. I mean, no one was – he was on no one's list coming into G-Day. Of like, hey, I'm going to watch this guy. Certainly was not on mine. But Makai Muse, Curtis. Okay, Walk on Makai Muse. Got to give him credit. Georgia. What about this guy? Just can't make him plays. I mean, that was the thing. Do you think, like, is it just because every year there's always a there's always a G-Day superstar that, like, everyone gets all high on that he never it never translates to anything during the season. Is that what this is? Is he this year's version of that? Or is this a guy that can maybe find a way to, to, to get on the field a little bit in actual meaningful situations? <sighs> I don't know. I don't, you never want to say someone's never going to be out there because it just sounds harsh. I think this guy is the potential to be like a Cash Jones, someone that's going to make a lot of impact on special teams. It's yeah. just hard. Um, the thing could is, he, so he did some good things in the return game. Could he be, could he factor into our actual return game? It's hard to see because, I mean, there were t- that long one he had. I mean, he was touched multiple he was, he was times touched. in the middle of the field before he yeah. had a chance of breaking it. Yeah. I'm like, are you going to call you and blow the whistle? Like what's happening here? <laughs> um, I, But I think he's someone that you'll see on special teams that could go out there. It's just, this sounds terrible, but 
if he is getting meaningful snaps at wide receiver, we're in trouble. Then like COVID ravaged the, the wide receiver room. Knock yeah. on wood. I mean, um, yeah, look, I, I don't want to take this kid's moment away. I mean, he played, he had a great game. And I was like, that's awesome for him. He's very excited to see. I'm glad he's on our team. Um, but I know people are like, well, he, like, he's going to be our return man. Like, no, there's a guy named Dominic Lovett who's on our team. Okay. And Dominic Lovett is going to be our punt returner. That's, that's going, going to happen. But Kai Muse is like, he, he'll be an option, but he's not going to, like, he's not the second or third option even, you know, but, but hey, it's a guy, you, you want guys on your team like that. And um, if it, maybe if we didn't, weren't so deep on at the receiver position maybe he could get an opportunity like, like go back time go back in time Chris. let's travel back in time to 2019 remember that like we were the walking wounded receiver or even yeah. like the early portion of 2021 where everybody was hurt like he could have played then i mean jalen johnson true. was playing but we're just we're at a different point right now with our receiver room we're just like as we said earlier it's the deepest we've ever been so i just that's unfortunate for him. I don't think he's going to be able to play because of that, but you know, we'll see crazier things have happened. Um, speaking of walk-ons, Curtis, do we have the best walk-on program in the country? I mean, it's, you mentioned Cash Jones, Muse, Stetson Bennett once upon a time. I mean, I think the thing you've got to say is just from top to bottom, our roster management is it, it's hard to beat. Kirby is just relentless, man. He is and not, and not just him, all the coaches, he demands it, but like they're all relentless. It's if, if there's a way they can improve the team, they're going to do it. If that means getting a guy in here as a preferred walk-on, they're going to recruit that guy just like they recruit anybody else that they're going to scholarship to. It's a testament to the culture that we have and what Kirby Smart has done and what he demands of, of, his, of his coaching staff. And it's, it's unbelievable, Curtis. And that's one of the reasons it's not, there's so many reasons why we're good, but getting walk-ons like that, Curtis, because those are the dudes that are running your scout team. And you always want your, and I know the scout team never gets any love, but you want your scout team to be as good as possible so they can give your defense and your offense the best look possible. That helps you win football games, Curtis. It absolutely does. So when you recruit guys like that, that can come in as preferred walk-ons and could actually probably play for a couple of different SEC teams out there, I'm, that helps you win football games. So I think we do. Have, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about every other program's walk-on program, but we got one of the best. I think we can we can at least say that. Um, all right, Kurt. Last thing before we move on to to our last little thing, I want to talk about. A lot was a lot has been made this this spring about left tackle, Ernest Green versus Austin Blasky. Blasky seemingly coming out of nowhere to be a major contender for the left tackle position. What did you make of of how those guys played? Ernest Green got the start. They both played. They rotated with the ones. What did you make of what you saw from them? You know, I think Green played well, but at the same time, I'm reserving judgment. And the only reason I'm saying that is um, you don't do a lot of blitzing in spring yeah. games. And not only that, but Still you really only one. had Chaz out there. And pass rush is not his specialty. Yeah. I thought they both looked good. Um, they both protected well. I thought they were both physical in the run game. Small sample size, as we keep saying. It's just how G-Day is. But – did you see much separation between the two? No, you really couldn't. No, I mean, in that small sample size, like you're right, with some big time defensive players not playing in that game, I I didn't see a massive separation. Like maybe I would lean Ernest Green right now because I think he's more athletic. I think he's more of a prototype left tackle than Blasky is, but I, I do like Blasky's physicality. I was impressed with how he was able to pass protect on the edge. That was my concern. That was my question for him because I've always felt he was more of an interior guy, but he answered those questions. I thought he did a really good job, but you're right. We were vanilla. We were really bringing a lot of pressure. We did a couple twists and stunts, but nothing really more than that. Some really basic fundamental stuff. Um, but I, I, whoever wins that job, Curtis, we're in really good hands and there's going to be a rotation. All right. I, I think that's pretty clear at this point. I think, 
I would handicap and say Green's going to start, but Blasky is going to play just like Amarius Smith played last year. Blasky is going to play. All right, Kurt. Last thing, we cannot get out of here today uh, without talking about Bear Alexander. We hit that news hit like right before the spring practice. I think it was at. I think I was at the tennis match when I saw that news come through. I want to say, um, but yeah, Bear Alexander, defensive tackle, former. Highly recruited, was, didn't end up, he was at 1.5 star, ended up a high four star you know, when in, in the final rankings. But in the, I remember the 2022 recruiting recruiting class has entered the transfer portal. First off, how surprising was that to you? Um, Very surprising timing-wise, I think is the biggest thing. I, do you think, the timing is interesting, Curtis, right before G-Day. Do you think that was I don't know. I don't know the kid, Curtis. So I don't, I don't know, man. Um, this is complete speculation. But do you think maybe the timing of that, him putting his name in the portal or it coming? Like, I don't know if it was like that he put his name in right at that time and it hit the hit that time, or people would finally just call it window, maybe put his name in the portal a couple of days ago. I don't know. Actually, it couldn't have, right? Because the portal yeah, opened the portal yesterday. Just opened. It opened yesterday. Day. Do you feel like that was him trying to like in some way take a small shot at us and like take away from from the shine of G Day? I mean, it's hard to question. It's not, especially when his guardian, I believe, is what they're called, was over at Southern Cal's yeah. spring game. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of that. I don't know, um, but I I, it, I think it's a question that that's fair to ask at the very least. But um, I I. Let me say that I was surprised to see it because I did, I just didn't see it coming right before G-Day, the timing. I think you're right. But when you sit back and you think about it, you actually kind of ponder like, okay, huh, what's going on? Was it really all that surprising? No, not when you start a lot of the things that come have come out, which, you know, it's hard not – you don't really want to talk about that too much because – you just don't know what's true and what's not. But the fact is, um, well, I can tell you something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's not sh- sh- as surprising. Yeah. Um, here's, I don't, don't want to like, I don't want to go too crazy. Here's what I can say. Um, Cause I don't want to bad mouth anybody. It's just, there's no need for that. Life's too short, but I had been hearing um, over the past week or two that, you know, because I, I I was of the mind the bear is just going to be like he was going to be the starter at three tech right like he was it was his yeah, time. I mean especially after the national from a talent standpoint game, there was no question yeah from a talent standpoint I, I was of that mind so you know I was asking you know we we're talking about you know there's no Jalen Carter so like is there anybody that's kind of like stepping out standing out and asking about bear trying to find some information out about that it's like well you know he's not you know he's not really getting those kind of reps right now I'm like what. And it's like, well, you know, there's other guys that are doing really well. Like you mentioned Jordan Hall, Christian Miller's stepping up. Um, Warren Brinson's had a really good spring. Zion Logue has had his most consistent spring of his career, which you expect, you know, in his final year here. We know what not a Stackhouse spring. So um, let's just say that not everyone is built the way uh, – is built the Georgia way, I guess is the way to say it. Um, when I mean, which hits, doesn't shock you. If you pay attention, I mean, even recruits – I can obviously see that our practices and everything about us is tougher than almost all programs. So if that's, yeah. you know, that's just not for everyone. And you would, and that's my thing is like, you would like Kirby is very open when he recruits these guys about, Hey, this is what it is. Like he doesn't hide that from people. Like he's like, come to practice and see what we're about. We're about competition. And so you would think like in the recruiting process, you see that and say, okay, yeah, this is what's going to have to compete. But then when you get up there, 
and you expect like it's now is your time. You have two sacks in the national championship game and you have this big game and like you're out there celebrating and anything. And now, now it's your turn. You're going to be the guy. And it's like, well, other guys are competing and they're not going to let you just, just have that position handed to you. They're going to make you earn it. And you don't respond the right way to that. When other guys start getting some reps because they're working and they're competing and they're grinding, you know, and you don't respond the right way. It's like, well, what did you expect? What did you expect, dude? Like, this is what we do. This is our culture. You knew this coming into it. Um, and I think one thing that might give you a, some insight into what went on with this, Curtis. I mean, I think you know this. I think most people, I think most people know this, but the dude went to five different high schools, um, transferred five different times, which part of this you may put on the coaches and say like, why, why did you recruit this guy? Like there, there were, it was kind of like with Zach Evans, like there were, there were red flags, right? But sometimes the talent is so, it's so obvious and it's so tantalizing that you kind of overlook some of those red flags. And you say, you know what, when we get him our, in our program, in our culture, you know, we'll straighten him out and like, he'll be around good players and be around good leaders and, and it'll, it'll be, it'll be okay. Or at the very least it's worth the risk. And it's, and a lot of times it works out that way, but this was one that just didn't. Um, yeah. He went to, Five different high schools, decommitted twice, right? Yeah, decommitted from us, decommitted from A and M. Yeah, so um, I think if you look at it from that standpoint, it's really not all that surprising. We really sit back and think about it. Um, how does it affect us on the field, though, Curtis? How does it affect this twenty twenty three team? I mean, I think you miss him to a degree because he was a talent, but it's yeah, very also, talented player. But it's also gets to a point too where it's like, are you more trouble than you're worth? And it can give other guys reps that are willing to work and get better. Yeah, I don't want to say he's Brenton Cox. I'm not going to say he's Brenton, but like it's the same concept, though, right? It's like sometimes, like really a talented player. Although it was Brenton Cox, I really, I, I, Brenton Cox could have been. He was. He had the bill. He had physical gifts. He just didn't work. And I'm not going to say that Barry didn't want to work or anything like that. I'm just saying, like you know, sometimes even a guy that's really talented, if they are not a fit with your program and your culture, sometimes it's better for both parties to just go separate ways, right? Yeah, and I think that's kind of what you're seeing here. So, yeah, he's a really talented player, and you hate to see a talent like that walk out the door. But, you know, as we said earlier, we are really deep at at the interior defensive line position. I, I see the most talented of the group right now. I Maybe. Uh, I think Jordan Hall might have something to say about that. Maybe Jamal Jarrett. Um, but they're not quite there yet because they are brand new to the system. But give them, give them halfway through the year, and, and maybe they will be just as good, if not better, than what Bear was going to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you love to keep a talent like that, but – you know, sometimes it's just uh, it's best for both parties to go their separate ways. And yeah, so I guess that's what, what it is with him. So, uh, Chris, you brought this up. You wanted to talk about this. So I'm going I'm to throw it over to you real quick. So obviously, Barry Alexander has entered the portal. Portal opened yesterday. It stays open for 15 days until April 30th after spring practice. So he's almost certainly not going to be the only player on the team to enter the portal after spring practice. Uh, we really have to open up roster spots too. Like we need some guys to probably like, go somewhere else because we have some guys coming in this summer that we need to open spot, open up some spots for you hate to speculate Curtis, but I mean, Hey, it, if podcasts aren't for speculation, then what the hell are podcasts for? So who are some other names you think might hit the portal between now and the time it closes on April 30th? All right. So we, I think right now, number wise, we have to lose four guys. I think that's right. Um, With the loss of Bayer, I believe, but I'm going to go with two and I, and you know, it's, you know, it's we. I always say these names because we were talking about all these other guys who are showing out. First, you all look at Ryan Davis. He didn't play Bingo. in the spring. He didn't play in the spring game. And then you look at all that talent we have at, at underclassmen. Yeah. Um, 
He's number one on my list. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, I mean, it's nothing against him. Go somewhere where you can play. Like I was shocked. Kirby wasn't asked about him. I'd be, if I was at, at the press conference, I would have asked about him. Yeah. Cause this is a guy that was uh, our top backup last year. Like when, when he smile was hurt, Ryan Davis started. Yeah. He started a game. Yeah. I started a couple of games. So yeah, I mean, I, I, and I, that's a, that was a weird one for me. I didn't, you know, I was always all spring long. I was hearing about the young guys. And I just assumed Ryan Davis was like, just, you know, Chris Ryan Davis was a good player, but just not like, you know, a top level player. You know what I mean? So I just figured he's just doing Ryan Davis. Um, but to see him like, and I have heard nothing on the injury front from him. Kirby hasn't mentioned his name all spring long. Didn't go out there spring practice. I mean, I think the writing's on the wall, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's the guy I wish the best for, man. Like he's just got recruited over. I mean, good player. I mean, he, he can play somewhere else, and I I hope it really works out for him. And he's the kind of guy like you know, it, it, this is not this is a him just if he leaves, it's because like a playing time thing, right? And I have no, I don't begrudge anyone that if that's the case, it's like you know what I, I get that. It's but with guys like Bear Alexander sometimes it's like everyone everyone says, oh, you gotta wish him well. It's like, do I have to really? No, because Ryan Davis gave it really? his all. It's kind of one of these yeah. things that <clears throat> when it gets to a point, it gets to a point. Yeah, it's it's a different that's a different kind of thing. So I I I think he's probably going to the portal. He's number one on my list. I just I I and I wish him well, man. I hope he lands on his feet and lands in a good spot. Uh, who else did you have? You said you said you had two. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, you mentioned him earlier, but Jacory Thomas. Yeah, that's an interesting one because he's a talented guy. Talented guy, but you look at you know especially star or safety right now. You got Starks. You have Dan Jackson. You have um, Bullard. Then you have Tyke Smith. You have Janelle Aguero, and you even have Smoke Bouye, who can, you know, really factor in over there. And that's just off the top of my head. You you also have uh, David Daniel. I mean, all these guys. Yeah, yeah. uh, That's a good one, Curtis. I didn't have him on my list, but now you mentioned that's a a good one. Here's a name I've got for you. I hope he doesn't transfer. I think he's a good player, and I think he gives us something that that could be really beneficial coming off the edge of the five tech. What about Tyrion Ingram Dawkins? See, I think I don't think so. And the only reason I say that is just outside of him and um, Michael Williams, you don't really have a lot of players at rep right there, right? Ramel. Yeah, I, I Warren Brinson Dawkins- was playing out there some. I actually I think Warren Brinson at five tech is a great spot for him because like, he's a little it undersized is. for three. He can play the three tech situationally, but five tech would be good for Warren Brinson too. I don't, I don't know because Tyrion Tyrion hasn't always been consistent. I think that's actually what's holding him back. Yes, um, and I'm not going to say he's like been a bad apple. He is not. That's that's not a correct way to characterize it. But there have been some attitude issues at times with him. And Kirby's see, my thing is, my thing is for some of these guys though, you have to question where are they going to go when you enter in in this window because you can't go to the SEC. So then it's a question of can you go somewhere where you can play that can get you to the next level. That's fair. I mean, you have to factor that in, but sometimes these, you know, all these guys, Curtis, like they're they, in high school, like they were the dude, right? Yeah. And you know, the way you're recruited like that, and, and everyone tells you how great you are, and you buy into that, um, and you think you can go somewhere else and and be the. I mean, yeah, Ingram Dawkins, he's from South Carolina. I mean, he go to Clemson. That's true, know. but you know, Clemson doesn't take transfers according to Dabo. Yeah, that's true. And look, I'm not. I'm, we're totally speculating here. I, I mean, I hope that Tyrion stays on our team. I think he's a good player. I think he has a lot of value for our team. I just know that, you know, he he wants more playing time. And, you know, he got some playing time this spring as Michael wasn't out there. Michael's going to be back in the fall, Curtis. And Michael is the dude there. Um, and if it's not him, Tremel Walthour is number two. I mean, at best, Ingram Dawkins is number three at that spot. And he's been here for a couple of years, Curtis. It's not like he's in his second year. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock him. Let's just say that if he if his name hit the portal. I hope it doesn't. But 
just you know throwing it out there um what about you know we talk about how deep we are receiver curves one guy we didn't mention because like he's just not gonna factor in right now or maybe not ever cole spear yeah i did i saw that i saw him out on the field during g day and i was thinking to myself this guy has not done anything to establish himself in the rotation at running or wide receiver i think a lot of people are not a lot of people i think some people thought maybe he could grow into like a lad type guy guys he's not lad mcconkey He's just not. He just doesn't have the shiftiness. Yeah, he doesn't have that. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a good player. Again, we just, we're just so deep, man. It's unfortunate for him. Like, you know, if he would have been on our team in 2014, he probably would have played a lot for us. But it's not 2014 anymore. Um, what about some of those guys in the offensive line, Kurt? Like Chad Lindbergh, Micah Morris, Jared Wilson. See, it's hard to think some of these guys because they're in, they're in the too deep. They're in the too deep, and then also the question goes: Is where are you going to go? Um, that are if you go somewhere, are you going to start right away, or if you're going to wait a year, why not stay here in in battle it out? Like Michael Morris, you look at in front of him potentially next year. There's you know Tate's probably gone, Trust is gone. Those two guys are gone. You have a wide open battle. You got to think about that. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't transfer because hey, you're you're going to win a third national championship in a row, and you know you're right. We have. All these guys in front of you are going to be gone. The all three interior guys are going to be gone. Amarius Mims is going to be gone. Uh, so I mean, I I would not leave. But you know, these guys, you know, I guess they see the talk. The clock is ticking, and, and they got a question like, "Hey, you know, especially like a guy like Chad Lindbergh, Curtis. I mean, I know he's at right tackle right now, but you know, next year Amarius Mims is going to be gone, and you think he would he would slot in, but Austin Blasky, you know what I mean? Or maybe yeah. Blasky plays center. I don't know." Um, but I mean, Lindbergh is a guy that's from Texas. I mean, I could, I could see him potentially. I mean, he's, he was what 20, I think he was a 2020 class. So he's been around for a minute. When it comes to some of these guys, you just never know. And you don't know what their fan situation is. You don't know what they're like. You just don't know. Um, so that's why I hate to speculate, but those are just names that wouldn't shock me, you know, because Micah Morris was a highly recruited guy and yes, he's in the too deep right now, but maybe he thinks I can go start somewhere this year. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. There's just a couple names. Is there anybody that we're missing? Um, it's just hard to there's gotta be somebody that's obvious. So it's like, how are how are we missing this guy? Yeah. Um, just none off the top of my head. I mean, because the cornerback is hard to think so because it's a true competition right now. Um, yeah. it's just really let's, let's 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 talk about that real quick before we get out of here, Curtis. Give me the odds. Give me a percentage that you think that brought Van. Let's say let's say brought Vandegrift does not win the job. Okay, let's say if we're if we're right and Carson Beck's the guy, he he holds the job all year, has a great year. Um, what is the likelihood that brought Vandegrift is still on this team this time next year? I want to say above fifty percent, and the reason I, I agree. say that is because if, if if Beck has a great year, he's probably going. Um, I totally agree. That's my. I, I, I think the mistake we're talking about is is Vandegrift going to portal first off it's like well where is he gonna go that he's gonna if he portaled he'd have to he's go not somewhere portaling because, right now yeah no he, way. He, he would have to portal into somewhere where they have zero, no quarterback that he could step in and play because if you're sitting for a year behind someone why not stay in a system because it, look how much it's benefited beck absolutely and that can be like the case study for him it's like look look what carson did i know he only get to start one year but he parlayed that into a first round NFL draft pick potentially or who, or whatever. But I, I'm with you, Curtis. I think the general consensus seems to be at least among people that I talk to and, and interact with on a regular basis that whoever doesn't win the job is going to transfer. And I, I, if Carson Beck doesn't win the job, I think he would transfer, right? Yeah, that would, that would, that would be, yes, that he's, would be he would be gone. Yes. But if Beck wins the job, 
Why would Brock Vinegar transfer? He's not going to transfer right now because Kirby's not in the starter. If you saw his post-G-Day post press conference, he, he thought he had a good scrimmage. And I thought, honestly, Brock did play well. Like, Brock did some good things, um, as we were saying earlier. So, I, I mean, he this, he should be excited about how he performed this spring. I, I've heard he had or he made good strides this spring. But why would he transfer? Because, like, if Carson – because at the very least, he needs to sit and watch all year, right, Curtis? Because well, at there's the very no, least, number one, what if Carson gets hurt? We saw that with JT already. I was going to say, you're one play away from being the guy. Yep, absolutely. What if Carson gets hurt? What if Carson doesn't play that well? And we want to – we have to we have to make the switch – you just it would be a real I think it would be a really poor decision for him to transfer at, before the season. I, I I know they changed the portal windows. Is it is it, is it open up again before the season after it closes? I don't believe spring? it does. I don't think it does. I think if he doesn't enter, if he doesn't enter it now, he'll he'll be on the team this this whole year, right? Yeah. I know they changed this. So I, I don't know all of that right now. But it used to be that he could enter the portal, but now he can't. I don't think. Um so he's gonna sit and wait. And if Carson is as good as we think Carson's going to be with all the weapons that we've talked about on this episode, Curtis, Carson is his fourth year in the system, very likely that he would go pro. And why would you transfer? Because now, like if you're the backup this year, just like Carson was the backup to Stetson, now you are the guy that is going to have the lead going into spring practice. Yeah, you got Gunnar Stockton, but you know what? Carson Beck had you on his heels, right? You got a year on, on Gunnar just like, Beck had a year on you. And yes, you're going to have Ryan Puglisi come in and, and I think Dylan Riola, but they're going to be true freshmen, Curtis. And I think those guys are the future, one of them. But as true freshmen, are we going to count on that? Probably not. No. So maybe maybe 2024 can be Vandegrift's one year, you know, potentially. So I, I really am not, I don't think it's a given that he's going to transfer. In fact, I would lean more towards him staying. I think it's the best thing for him at this point. I, I would put it odds of like, 75 percent he's on the team this time next year that's what i would think but yeah i think like 75 percent. like i i just and and it's possible but i if i was in that position i would stay but i'm not him and we'll see what him and his family think but i i think it's likely more likely than not that he'll be on the team this this time next year yeah all right anything else kurt nope all right, guys, uh, I think that's all we've got for you today. I mean, what have we done? About an hour and 15 minutes or so here today. I know we didn't necessarily cover every single player that took a snap at G-Day, but we covered a lot of it. So hope you guys enjoyed this. I mean, it was incredible being out there inside Sanford Stadium, at least for one spring afternoon. I know we got more than a couple of months before we get out there again, but it'll be here before we know it, guys. And it was a beautiful day for some college football. And I got to say, I mean, I was excited about this team coming into G-Day, but I left Sanford Stadium yesterday even more excited about this team and the possibility of actually pulling off what some people would call the impossible, the three-peat. Long way to go. Long way to go, of course. We know that. But the pieces are there, guys. The pieces are there. I'm really excited about this team. And the cool thing is we got plenty of more to cover and break down as we get closer and closer to the season. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here all spring, all summer long, heading into the 2023 football season. So make sure to come on back. Keep coming on back and go along with us on this journey up to and through the 2023 football season. Of course, guys, I know that we didn't necessarily talk about everybody. If there's someone or something, a position, a player that we didn't cover here today that you want to hear us talk about, we want to get our thoughts on, please hit us up on social media. It's at glory underscore UGA or at Tyler Graves CFB. You can also email us. That's glory UGA podcast at gmail.com. We're going to do a post spring mailbag 
probably next week. We got a couple more things we want to do coming out of spring practice this week, and we'll get to that mailbag next week. But those questions, please go ahead, start sending those in. I know a lot of you already have, but uh, keep them coming, guys. We'll try to cover as many of them as we possibly can next week in that post spring mailbag. But thanks for being here, guys. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. For Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>